episode 278. All the brothership, all the listeners. Yeah, even to those negative Nancys that get on our board and feel the need to shit on everything, Barry. We are even welcoming them. What say you? Yeah, can I tell you a funny story too? I used to have funny haha or funny unusual. Funny going along with what you say about that. Why why do people feel the need to shit on other things that make them happy? Is it this self importance? This uh, it, there used to be a guy. He has he has since passed on, and this is going back to you know. It, maybe the early days of Facebook, at least for me, maybe going back eight or nine years ago, 10 years ago. And I would post, and I remember this really stuck out, and I posted a photo of French toast that I had just made, and everybody is commenting, you know, everybody, two people are commenting saying, that looks really good. But this one dickhead had to come on and tell me how he hates French toast and how the way that I've cooked it is completely wrong. I cooked it the way I liked it, but apparently that was wrong in this dickhead's eyes. (laughs) Right? That makes a lot of sense. That's the same token. There was a guy the other day that was posting on Facebook, and we know who this gentleman is, and he was basically saying, if you enjoyed the women's Royal Rumble match, you're like a, a pedophile or a, something just just it was just horrific the way that he had phrased it. And I, I just it's hard for me to believe that people are so blind to be able to post shit like that. But uh, frustrating. And Jeff, with that, I know that you were frustrated about that this past week as well. Uh, I get frustrated quite a bit, but that's uh Oh, we're talking about wrestling and uh, Facebook. Yeah, uh, and it, it's only wrestling, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, but uh, you know, as I uh, mentioned in my, the post that I uh, I put in our group, you know, if you don't like something, it's okay not to comment. <laughs> you know, it's okay. It's okay if you haven't seen something to say instead of saying uh, I, I haven't seen that. Uh, just don't bother commenting. You know, uh, that doesn't mean that everybody has to agree with everything. If you want to say. Hey, I didn't like that. You know, uh, oh, uh, the Royal Rumble, uh, which I didn't watch, by the way, but I saw some people really liked it. Some people didn't. It's okay to say I didn't care for it if you sure. didn't, but you know, say, well, here's what I didn't care for about it. You don't have to say you're a fucking idiot. You don't know anything about wrestling. Fuck you. No, you don't need to do that. That's, and it's not just in our group. Don't be that way on your own page. You know, like don't be, you don't have to be an asshole. You know, that's anyway. I well, I would care, I'm going to read this to you. Royal Rumble women's match number one. Okay, so it's, it's the women's match. The kids turned it off, then back one because this is awful, and only basement-dwelling creepy virgins want to watch this shit show. So to your point, and you're 100% right, we're Jeff. not all going to like shit, Jeff. We uh, There's stuff that I like that you don't, vice versa. At Wait, the same what, time. What? There is? We, really? well, we, don't, we don't agree on everything 100% of the time, Barry? We're, we're pretty close, though, It's especially our love of emergency. But uh, <laughs> but 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 the reality is, why insult AMG people? AMG 365. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, Rampart. Why insult people? That may like something. It, it just, there's no, I don't get it. I don't get it. I, it. It boggles my mind and it infuriates me on a lot of different levels. So that being said, and before we get to what's going to be on this particular episode at number 278 of Breaking Eve with Bowder and Barry, since you mentioned making French toast, Barry, heard this on a, another podcast the other day, this question posed Barry Rose, I'm going to ask you, and I hope this doesn't give away your answer already. You're given a choice, Barry Rose. Okay. Yeah, taking pancakes, waffles, or French toast. So we've discussed this. I mean, my my God, this is a uh, wait a minute. We're rehashing. Holy shit! Oh, we're rehashing from five years point? ago. <laughs> this was back in the beginning. So you've got value in all three. If done correctly, if a waffle is made properly, I'm going to go waffle pancakes and french toast in that order with that the caveat there is really great fucking french toast out there you just always can't find it that's that's my issue with it i'm gonna say controversial opinion here all right the waffle house waffle i'm all in don't give me that belgian waffle bullshit all right. Uh, I, I like a good flatter waffle, uh, but I agree with your uh, rankings listing there. Uh, then I'll go pancakes and French toast. And again, uh, nothing wrong with French toast. That's just my particular order of preference. So now that being said, Barry, 
We're going to uh, mention that our match of the week is from uh, July 28, 1978. It is the Funker, Terry Funk, taking on Abdullah the Butcher uh, from the rings of All Japan Wrestling. Besides that, we have a little AEW discussion. We have a little Florida man or not, for those of you that were extremely upset that we didn't offer that. We're going to be offering a new segment, Barry, buy low or sell high. On particular wrestlers, we're going uh, particularly with uh, the guys from uh, AEW, just because that's something that both you and I watch. So, uh, Barry Rose, I tell you what, why don't we go to a little Florida man or not? Barry, you know, one of the things that uh, we like to do is to please the audience. We are givers, Barry. We have discussed that on more than one occasion. So, Barry, because we are, in fact, givers, it's time once again for the Booker and Lord Barons to take a trip. To Florida, man, oh. or not. Are you ready, Lord Barrons? No, sir. Absolutely not. Okay. Well, again, we'll start then. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so the headline reads, All right. <clears throat> Woman arrested for stabbing her boyfriend for wetting the bed. <laughs> not the uh, let's see. Uh, a woman was arrested as she stabbed her boyfriend for sh- what she claimed was the fact that he urinated in the bed. Let's see. Sheriff's deputies were called to the hospital to investigate a report of a stabbing. And let me pick up the story. Nope, I didn't see the read more there. According to rest documents obtained uh, by TV uh, TV studios, she stabbed him with a knife. Oh, of course, that's a good way to, uh, to stab him is with a knife. Uh, let's see. Uh, said she uh, she and her boyfriend got home late when she found out the victim had wet the bed. She got upset. She said she got the victim out of bed and hit and hit him. Then she said the victim tried to choke her. She stabbed him under the arm. When he seemed like he was trying to leave, Barry, first of all, have you ever wet the bed? That I'll admit to on air right now? No, it never happened yet. Thank you. Uh, so, Barry, Florida man or not? Ooh. He's in bed, woman then stabs him. The stab, I mean, they both, right? Because they, he's a, shit, coin flip. It's, uh did not take place in Florida. Baton Rouge, Louisiana, home of the LSU Fighting Tigers. Go Tigers, but fuck your head coach, Brian Kelly. That's all I'm going to say about that. Very next story. <clears throat> woman sets boyfriend's house ablaze after another woman answers his phone. Oh, I hate when that happens. But wait, Barry, as Paul Harvey used to say, that's a really old reference. Wait for the rest of the story. So a woman set her boyfriend's house on fire when another woman answered her phone while they were talking on FaceTime. Let's see. Uh, Sineda Soto is charged with burglary, habitation by force, uh, a second degree felony and arson, a first degree felony. Sheriff's deputies and firefighters responded to an arson call uh, to a local home. The homeowner said that uh, they were told that the woman had broken in, set the house on fire, stole several items. They said that Soda was in a romantic relationship with a family member of the homeowner. Uh, Apparently, the woman was on FaceTime with her boyfriend when another woman, who later turned out to be a relative, when that happens, Barry, answered the phone. Uh, the Soto became upset, went over to her boyfriend's house and lit the couch on the in the living room. On why do people? Uh, you know, usually when your couch is burning, it's a West Virginia story. Uh, spoiler alert uh, for Travis Rains: This is not a West Virginia story. Uh, anyway, a still photo from a video of the fire shows the flames appearing to be uh, spreading to the rest of the home. So here's what's really good, Barry: is the last part of the story. While the house was on fire, Soto reportedly texted her boyfriend, "Quote." I hope your house is okay. Ooh, Ooh. Florida man or Florida woman or not. All right. So she's Hispanic, which immediately either says Florida or, you know, Texas. I mean, not that it matters. Texas, New Mexico, Arizona. Of course, there's Hispanic in all 50 states. I just go with the states. Wow. Yeah. You're larger. really generalizing there. I know. Exactly. Right. New York City. I guess so. So I guess it doesn't matter. I'm just trying to apply some sort of logic because you didn't give me any hints otherwise. So I got to take what I got. I'm going to say this is not Florida either. You are two for two, sir, because this is San Antonio, Texas. San Antonio. San Antonio. Uh, Very next. uh, Now here, just a great headline. Uh, Coming courtesy of our friends at the New York Post. Teen gets USB cable stuck in his penis in backfired attempt to measure his penis length. 
(laughs) Do you see this kind of high quality news, uh, you know, going from any other sources? Anyway, uh, so of course the New York Post, well known for their creative writing, the first sentence of the article, Barry, he backed up his hard drive and his penis. You see what they did there, Barry? A teen had to undergo emergency surgery after an attempt to measure his manhood resulted in him getting a USB cable lodged in his urethra. Excellent use of the word urethra there, Barry. Now, I can just say, I, I, I will add, this is, uh, you know, we're talking uh, uh, USB ports, cables, that kind of thing. This was not a great good story, okay? I'm just going to put that put that out there because, you know, of course, uh, Greg, uh, famous for his uh, years in the cable industry. Anyway, the uh, article with the creative writing continues. The phallic fiasco <clears throat> uh, reportedly began after an unnamed 15-year-old boy was triggered by sexual curiosity. Oh, Barry, do you remember <laughs> the sexual curiosity that we had when we were 15? Oh, Not yeah. each other, of course. We didn't know each other. But wow. I yeah. Uh, he Allegedly. It, sure. Yeah, really. And, and inserted a USB wire into his urethra. Per what? a worthy study published in a medical journal, Barry Rose, Florida man or not? Oh my God! Yeah, there's a lot to a lot to comprehend. He stuck the USB cord up his urethra. I, you know, I. It, oh, what happened to just using a good old fashioned ruler? Uh, you know, oh, a couple of rulers. <clears throat> you know, so. Wow. Let, I, there, there's uh, actually an X-ray that that comes with the story that you have to see because it is fucking amazing. I, I'm going to do the rest of the show just laying down on this couch now. <laughs> a USB cord up the head of his dick. Holy fucking shit! This is Florida, Jeff. This, this is, Florida. is not Florida. This no. is the UK, my friend. John Lee. Yeah, he's got some explaining to do there, John. I don't know. It didn't mention it. Said his initials were JL. That's all I'm going to say. Oh. Uh, Anyway, uh, next story. Oh, Barry. Yeah, I I, got to send you that story just so you can see the X-ray of all the wire of this guy's Johnson. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Next story, Barry. Woman arrested for kicking her boyfriend in the groin for, quote, not taking her to a strip club. I hate when that happens, Barry. Some people want to get to the club, and they aren't about to take no for an answer. That includes strip clubs. It also includes, oh, by the way, Barry, you'll find this curious, 61-year-old women. What? 61-year-old women want to go down to the strip club. So, uh, no, the woman in question is not a stripper, but she's 61, and she was arrested for kicking her boyfriend where it counts. The reason? He refused to take her to a strip club, according to police. The boyfriend, 69. Let me tell you something. If you're 69 and your 61-year-old woman wants you to take her to a strip club, by God, get in the car and head down to a... Yep. Anyway, uh, the the boyfriend was at first verbally abused while the couple was drinking, was involved, barely. At another bar, the particular bar presumably did not have any strippers, per uh, police reports. And led to a physical domestic disturbance call at the restaurant, namely the boyfriend that got kicked in the groin. At least he wasn't having trouble breathing, nor did he lose <laughs> consciousness. Thank God for that. Yeah. Meanwhile, the girlfriend punted below the belt so swiftly that she fell off her bar stool. Again, Barry, drinking <laughs> may have been involved. But so here's what's interesting, Barry. She punted off the bar yeah. stool. <laughs> here's what's interesting. I mentioned the age of the boyfriend, 69 years old. Uh-huh. She was arrested. And charged with battery on someone 65 or older. Guess what that makes it, Barry? That's a, that's elderly abuse. Elderly abuse. That's a felony. Yeah. Have fun with that. So, Barry Rose, Florida woman or not? So, by the way, there's a, there's a booking photo and it's a gym. Is it a, oh, it's gotta be. So it, just so I know this too. So if somebody over the age of 65 touches physically, or assaults another 65 or older senior citizen, they're, they're equally as guilty as somebody who might have been 40 years old doing that? As far as I know, that is the case. Wow. Which is very similar to... We will when- post a story, and I'm sure if that's not the case, as some of our learned counsel that's in our... uh uh Facebook group, Barry, can give you a better than Barry. Uh, and if you're not a member, why aren't you? 
they will be able to offer up uh, some uh, legal uh, analysis of the situation and let us yeah. know. So, but getting back to the story at hand, I'm going to say th- this one. This one's got to be Florida. Sure. Well, I'm just going to say uh, North Fort Myers, Barry. Yeah, Woo! I'm not going to put the boots uh, verbally to uh, some of our uh, Facebook members there that happen to live in the southwest uh, uh, part of the state of Florida. But there sure sure seems to be a lot of stories coming out of Southwest Florida, Barry. You know uh, what there, I mean? Yes, more than any other region in the state. It's seems like it's that whole Naples to Fort Myers area, Port Charlotte. Sorry, Ben and Kelly, but yeah, there, there's a lot of stories coming out. I wonder what that is. What's in the water over there, Jeff? Or maybe it's the edibles. I'm just saying. Oh. You know, Barry, it's time for the match of the week. And uh, as I was trying to uh, go through and uh, check out the various and sundry uh, choices that I was looking at, I came across this match. Uh, our match of the week today comes from July 28, 1978 from the rings of all Japan wrestling. But it's not a Jumbo Saruta match. No, it's not a Janichiro Tenru match. No, it's in fact Barry's man crush, the Funker, Terry Funk, taking on Abdullah the Butcher. So let me ask you a question, Barry. In our approximately 467 episodes, uh, close maybe, have we ever done an Abdullah the Butcher match? I don't think so. I don't think we ever had. Yeah, so this is kind of an interesting look. This is Abby when uh, I think you could politely, without shaming anyone, say this was kind of fat Abby. This isn't grotesquely obese Abby. Is that a fair comment? It isn't. What's interesting about that, too, is that it, there's a match out there on YouTube, and it's Abdullah versus Pepper Gomez. 1975 Tampa. I think it was in the summer of 75. And Abby is actually kind of light. Like he's, uh, he's doing these elbows and flying through the air. He looks great. And then you see this, and this is what, about three years later, Abby had already changed. He had already put on that yeah. weight. And that was actually one of my notes was the weight gain. So he, he's not the grossly overweight Abdullah that rarely lost his feet that I think we saw just a few years later, but he's well on his way to that. So uh, before we begin, I, I had a question uh, leading into the match because I know you are Mr. CWF and all things Terry Funk. Love how that. far after this match or how much before this match took place, I should say, was Terry in uh, Paradise Alley with Stallone where he was Frankie the Thumper? I think Paradise Alley was either late 77, right? Wasn't it around Christmas time, 77? Yeah. So I would say, give or take, just a few months. You know, okay, that yeah, yeah, I was thinking it had to be around the same timeline. So yeah. uh, so our match, a rarity for the Rings of All Japan, and that this is a gimmick match. It's no DQ with Lumberjacks. Among the Lumberjacks that you see at ringside, uh, Kim Duck, you see Giant Baba, Jumbo. So there is a black wrestler that at the end of the match gets into a schmoz with somebody at ringside. I, I I wasn't sure. This looked a little like Bubba Douglas to me. I don't know if he it ever does look like, but it's Rufus R. Jones. Yeah, I, it, I was I, I wrote a note and said it's yeah. either Rufus or Bubba, but I wasn't sure because yeah. you know it, it did it sort of like Rufus had this particular body like uh, way of of like moving and stuff like that, and so I wasn't sure. And it, like the hair looked like it was cut kind of short. I'd never really seen his hair cut that short, so I thought maybe it was Bubba. But but you said it was in fact Rufus. It's Rufus too, and it's it. the and freight think- train Rufus R. Jones. I'm going to put yeah. somebody in a weasel suit. I always remember that from uh, his uh, stint in Florida. This is Rufus R. Jones. That's it. Yeah. Rufus had a deep gravelly voice and it seemed like rufus was kind of seconding uh abdullah yes and then the great dick slater was seconding terry which makes a lot of sense because you know the stories of slater idolizing terry funk so that seems to make a lot of sense but yeah there's i know sharuda was out there tenru was out there bob as you said Kim Duck was out there. Who else was out there? There was a couple others that yeah, I yeah. There, uh, there was a couple of others. I, I quite frankly didn't recognize them. The uh, oh, Lou chiming in that we have in fact uh, done an Abbey match uh, in a tag situation uh, along with the Sheik that was on episode 144. For those of you that would like to go back and hear us discuss this, and we also on episode 168. Where were you in episode 168, Barry? Uh, it was Abby versus the Sheik that we talked about. So what the hell do I know? Thank you, Lou, for making me look bad. You are fired, my friend. So anyway, let's go back and let's talk about this match as my notes uh, momentarily disappeared here. So for those of you, I will just say, and I know there are some of you out there that are fans of the old, uh, as they say juice you will enjoy yourself here uh we have double juice in this match 
Abby, literally two minutes into the match, starts bleeding. Well, of course, it's Abdullah the Butcher. What else did you expect? You're not going to get Flair Steamboat, you know, anything like that. We got about uh, five and a half minutes. I actually marked it at five minutes, 50 seconds in, Barry. The dreaded fork shows up uh, yeah. out of Abby's tights. Uh, and then, you know, you, you talked about the way that Abby moves in the match and how, you know, when he got heavier, he didn't move around as much. One of the things I really enjoyed about Abby, especially when he was younger, is when he would do his elbow drop, okay, he would hit the ropes, and he does it in this match. He comes flying off, and in midair, he does like sort of like a fuck you move before he drops the elbow. And I and as I, I wrote my notes, I said, it's Abby's fuck you elbow drop. Uh, so uh, uh, was that a move he was not doing later in his career as far as we know? He wasn't, but there there were periods where he was doing this amazing elbow drop later in his career. He barely left his feet. In, in yeah, the to, but to see a guy that size get up and do that move, especially in 1978, that was right. uh, pretty impressive stuff. So uh, there's also a moment where uh, he gets Funk in a headlock uh, with a bear hug and Funk, uh, both of them bleeding uh, at this point. He begins trying, Funk begins trying to headbutt his way out of the bear hug. And Abby, I don't know if you caught it, Barry, begins this like maniacal laugh. And it, it got me to wondering here, you know, the Japanese fans. We, we've talked before how they regarded Terry Funk, uh, probably more than, than, uh, Dory as sort of a real life version of a cowboy that they had seen in the movies. Okay. So when you look at Abdul the Butcher, his entrance to the ring, which, you know, you see here, uh, he's got the, uh, what do you call the, the headgear or the headdress and stuff like that. He's from the Sudan. So is this basically to the Japanese fans, I hate to use the word mark, but somebody who's more of a casual fan who's just there to enjoy themselves, is this sort of a, a real-life version of a cowboy versus a monster? I guess, yeah. That's a good way to look at that. I like yeah. that. So anyway, so uh, Barry, uh, I started rambling on with my thoughts about the match. Why don't you tell the good folks what you thought of this particular match? Yeah, and this was an interesting time because Terry uh, – there, there was a period where Terry wasn't doing a lot of work and he wasn't wrestling a lot. And I think this falls into it. And I know after he dropped the world title, the NWA world title, which would have been in 77, I believe he took some time off. He did Paradise Alley, uh, worked Japan, but he wasn't doing a lot in the U.S. And I know that he came back to Florida 78, but in 79, he had a great heel run. But this match is... It's not one of my favorites, Jeff. So I don't, I've seen it previously and I, I think initially I got kind of excited. Not, not so excited that I would put a USB cord on the urethra, <laughs> but, but regardless, still excited. And, uh, it was, uh, you I know, think at your age, it's, uh, it's, uh, worth noting that you can get excited, but I digress. Yeah, it's a very, it's a very, very good point. Fair point as well. But, uh, this is, I, I think initially I was like, cause I, there were parts where I really liked Abdullah and I, you know, Abdullah to me was kind of professional wrestling, was never really boring. And, uh, and Terry Funk, you know, to me, Terry, Billy Robinson might be my favorite, but I, I recognize Terry Funk as the goat. You know, no, not Flair, not anybody else. It's Terry Funk that's the greatest of all time. And uh, the match is, for me, a bit of a disappointment. Terry is moving a little bit slower than he uh, he was at this stage. And I think as we saw him in the 90s, Terry was moving slower. But he appears to be moving kind of slower here. And maybe that's because he's working with Abby. Abby had also slowed down a little bit here. Terry attacks Abby as Abby's trying to get in the ring. Terry attacks him. And I don't think Abby gets in the ring for maybe the first four or five minutes. Eventually does get in the ring. Terry then goes right to work on Abby. He's doing these knee drops, setting him up for the spinning toe hold. Gets Abby in the spinning toe hold. That doesn't really go anywhere. And then, of course, the match does turn into a blood fest. Abby's bleeding, I think, just from punches. But then, as you mentioned, five minutes in, he's pulling out the fork. He's uh, jabbing Terry in the forehead. So we're getting color. We're getting juice. You know, there there were some some funny, funny moments. When I say funny, I just you could understand why. But Abby gets Terry in a uh, a bear hug. And the bear hug goes from them standing to them on the mat where, you know, Terry, Abby's got him in a bear hug on the mat. This goes about five minutes that he's had Terry in the bear hug. I just, you know, yeah, I, I found that just like, you know, and I understand Abby, Abby can't go, you know, he couldn't, can't go too long if he's going to do a singles match, but 
a five minute bear hug is not really the most exciting thing. Well, let me, let me ask you. Let sure, me ask sure. Because I was looking uh, at some of the reviews that were posted online of this match. Somebody had noted that they felt that this was, and of course, we're not talking about matches where we can't see uh, a video like, you know, of stuff that he did in Florida where we see the full match or, uh, I know that, uh, you know, he was in Calgary and Montreal and stuff like that. I think the first time I ever saw a picture of Abdul the Butcher, uh, from one of the magazines was a famous cover. I don't know if it was the wrestler or inside wrestling back when they were doing the blood covers. And there was a picture of Tor Kamada and Abdul the Butcher and Abby just has blood pouring out of his forehead. So, uh, understanding the limitations at this point in 1978 that Abdul had started to have and understanding uh, that what is available out there on uh, on video of Abby, really, there's not a lot of a full match that's much earlier than this that I uh, that I know of. The person commented that this was one of the better Abdullah single matches that you'll see. Do, do you think that's fair? I don't, and it's it. I think if you're watching an Abdullah match and you want to see anything other than blood, gore, and just out and out violence. This match might be for you. Again, a five-minute bear hug to me doesn't really – Abby doesn't really do a whole lot. I mean, yeah, you know, again, you've got the fuck you elbow and there's that kind of – but there's just not a lot. If, if I was looking for a good Abdullah singles match, I would look against Brody because I – Well, and some. as a matter of fact, I, uh, I'm thinking about it now. One of my matches of the 80s was, in fact, a match I believe it was from Fort Worth. Uh, I want to say mm, 86, 87, 88, around that window where they literally went all around the stadium. And uh, I remember famously Mark Lawrence was calling the match and he said, I'm standing on top of the production truck because I can't see where they are. Uh, and the match was great. Mark Lawrence's call of the match was awesome. So one of the other things that I really like about this match and uh, Abdullah the Butcher is, you know, Abby was one of those guys. I mentioned the cover of the uh, of the After magazine. There was a couple of moments in the match where, especially after he began bleeding, I'm sure you noticed them, Barry, where Abby, like, leans up against the ropes and stuff like that. He's selling that Terry has injured him, of course. And he opens his eyes, like, literally as wide as he can with the blood coming down his forehead. And he's opening his eyes like he's absolutely stunned and amazed. I'm sitting there thinking... He's completely doing that for the guys at the at ringside, the camera, or the guys taking photos of the match 100%. for the magazines. Yes, you know, and you know those guys fucking love that he did that. Yep, hundred percent. And that's a there is Abby's strength right there, Jeff. Yeah, that absolutely. was absolutely. And uh, so anyway, uh, the match ends up going uh, approximately fifteen minutes. Abby winning by a count out of the ring, uh, a rare time. With Terry Funk taking a loss. Uh, no, it wasn't a pinfall, but you know, I, I feel like the yeah, but he, uh, he was brawling with uh, what's his name, Rufus R. Jones too. There was a lot of brawling with the between the two of them, and uh, I think the actual schmas that took place afterwards. Because then I think Tenru and Sharuda get into it, right? No, no, it was Saruta and uh, and Kim Duck that get into Sharuda it. Sharuda and Kim Duck, okay. Because I, I the, think obviously they were trying to set something up uh, for those two uh, yeah. in the promotion and stuff like that. But uh, so anyway, this is. Uh, you know, this is not Flair and Steamboat, you know, we'll be honest. But <laughs> yeah. all, all five-minute bear hugs aside, there are worse ways that you can spend 15 minutes of your life than uh, watching Terry Funk, you know, uh, brawl and bleed all over the place and uh, get into a, a schmoz outside the ring with Abdullah the Butcher. So we will post a link to this match uh, in our Facebook group, Breaking Kip Able with Bowdrin and Barry. Check it out. Hope you like it. So, Barry, I happen to uh, get some... Uh, some documentation from uh, TGBL, uh, the great Brian Last uh, the other oh. day, talking about uh, he occasionally sends me out the intel on the show. And one of the things that he sent was where our listeners are located, United States. You know, we've talked, we've got uh, listeners in Japan, listeners in Australia, uh, Germany, the UK. However, Barry Rose, you and I noted we apparently have listeners in Finland and Sweden. The Nordic countries, Barry, they love us. Yeah, you know what? How cool. When you sent me that list, too, that was the first thing I did. And we know that we're going to be big in the U.S. And there are certain states, Florida, I think, we have the most listeners, if I recall correctly. or at least It's that Frankie Seacrest influence. That's what is, you know, I say it's all because of that. Is that what you say, Jeff? Yeah, well, maybe. maybe. 
That's okay. You, you're thinking about it now. But it was the list was it's an enlightening list to see the amount of people coming from the Netherlands, Finland, Japan, Germany. You know, it, there's so many things that go through your head when you start a podcast. Like if we're going back almost six years at this point, Jeff. And could you ever have imagined that we would have this international fan base who apparently want to hear what we have to say? How bizarre is that? Actually, I can understand it. I, uh, I have some very, uh, very distinctive thoughts and, uh, and people want to listen to them, quite frankly, Barry. I'm a, I'm a big star. I don't know if you know that. Uh, anyway, I just, uh, pulling the reins on that there. So, uh, Barry, besides all that, let's get a little more serious because you and I, at the time we're recording this, had a chance last night to watch the AEW show uh, at the risk of pissing off Ryan Damon, who hates AEW with every fiber of his being. It was a pretty damn uh, poignant show last night with, uh, you know, them honoring Jay Briscoe, uh, then the match with Mark Briscoe and Jay Lethal, which was, uh, wow, if that doesn't grab you by the feels, I'm sorry, you may already be dead, Barry. Yeah, and I, I'll tell you what, I think Ryan is backed off. Ryan used to hate AEW, and I used to give him shit for it. And uh, I think he backed off a little bit because at least I'm not seeing it in every comment. And look, the truth is, it's not like Ryan is inherently wrong in the sense that AEW does have its issues. But one of the things that they don't have is a calloused prick of an owner. And you may hate Tony Khan. You may find the Coke memes funny. You may find uh, that Tony Khan, uh, without his glasses, maybe looks like a dork or maybe he's hugging wrestlers. And maybe that's what you want to hang your hat on. Maybe it's more important to you, and I'm only speaking to a select group, but maybe it's more important to certain individuals to mock and to to completely dehumanize a guy that has gone out of his way to put it at the forefront, the health and way well-being of a lot of the wrestlers. Now, you can also put out there that, sure, there's been wait, a wait, lot wait, of but Barry, Barry, aren't all wrestling promoters known for doing that? No, yeah. I don't think there's any currently other than possibly Tony Khan. In the old days, maybe you might have found one or two. But look, let's be honest. They just don't give a shit. And when people in the WWE have passed away, it has become a very calculated business-driven decision to do these certain memorials for them. And some of them come off in very bad taste. The Owen Hart thing, 20-something years later, terrible. I mean, the, the worst possible bad taste. Chris Benoit, and considering the allegations that they knew it, what had occurred with Chris Benoit before they did it, what did they think was going to happen the next day? Tony Khan essentially hijacks his own show puts on a main event that I don't know would have even really drawn extremely well in ROH. I imagine it would have drawn for the ROH crowd. But let's be honest, Mark Briscoe versus Jay Lethal three weeks ago wasn't something that was a, a big deal, it wasn't something that people were clamoring for. With the passing of Jay Briscoe, Tony Khan put the passing of Jay Briscoe forefront and also did it in a sense that was respectable, and he he made the boys feel important. And you could see it when you look at the faces of the guys up on stage. This wasn't something where these people were drug out and forced and propped up. This was a, a tribute to a somebody that worked in the company. And Tony Khan, again, I think a lot of the issues he's probably made, Jeff, a lot of the mistakes he's made are because he is a fan. It's less about the bottom line for Tony, and maybe that's a mistake. That's a whole nother point. But at the end of the day, this guy is a fan, and what he did for not just the Briscoe family, and apparently what he's done behind the scenes is absolutely incredible, but what he's done for fans who wanted to see something. Now, there is that Facebook group that I have mentioned a few times that last week took Tony Khan. All you do is put up a graphic saying that this guy has passed away. Of course, the story comes out a couple of days later that it was Warner Brothers that wouldn't let Tony Khan do anything further. It wasn't Tony Khan. At the same time, what he did last night, and, and obviously with Warner Brothers' approval, was just really an incredible moment. The look on Jay Lethal's face 
was legit. That wasn't a work. That wasn't the worked Ric Flair crying when he, uh, when he rips his pants every five minutes. That was a guy who worked with another guy for 15 or 20 years and considered him one of his closest, if not his closest friend. And to be able to go out there enduring and wrestling has always been especially for those in the business definitely not those who aren't in the business but those that are in the business it's always been about respect and you could see last night the level of respect that everyone had for jay briscoe but it was legit and the look on jay lethal's face really said it all that was a powerful powerful episode of aew i'm sure the detractors are out there ready to pounce, ready to criticize. And I, you know what? I give a hearty big fuck you to all of those people. You want to get on Tony Khan for illogical booking? Guess what? I really won't argue with you. But if you want to criticize what took place on AEW this past week, again, that's a big fuck you to you. Well, and I, I think one of the things that absolutely should be uh, mentioned uh, to Tony Khan's credit is, by all accounts, Tony Khan really had to fight the good fight against Warner Brother, uh, Warner Brothers and uh, Discover to get Mark Briscoe on the show and to get this tribute to Jay Briscoe on his show. He had to go to war in the corporate, you know, boardroom to get this approved, to get this done, which I hate the fact that he even has to do that, but he did it. Kudos to him. And, you know, I, I talked about how emotional this was. And, you know, at the end, you know, you referenced Barry when Jay Lethal goes back and he hugs Sanjay Dutt and, you know, the guys are all standing there and you could see the emotion, uh, emotions on the wrestler's face. And, and then, uh, Mark is coming back and he's holding the belts up and that was extremely emotional. But to me, Barry, the lasting memory of that that match and that event, and it was a really good match. And, you know, uh, him doing his brother's finishing maneuver uh, to get the win, him doing an incredible dive uh, from the top rope onto the table that, you know, led the, you know, got the crowd going, you know, you know, like, uh, uh, this is awesome, all that kind of shit. And the holy shit chant, uh, that was great. To me, the defining moment of that match is when Jay Lethal, who you could see, was having real trouble holding it together, just walking down the ramp to go to the match. And as he's, you know, he jumps up on the ring apron and then he climbs up the ropes. And right before they cut to the commercial, he holds his hand up and he says, reach for the sky, boys. And that, to me, is the defining moment of what was an incredibly emotional time. And, you know, Barry, one of the things that I really feel I saw someone mention it last night. Uh, online, I don't know if it's Twitter or Facebook, that, that really rings true is wrestling is always best when it's real. And that last night was real. Well, and that's such a great point about the reality of the situation because it was real, Jeff. This was real life. And, you know, when they were showing the photos of Jay Briscoe with his children and the, the video, I think, was a dancing video – if you don't have a tear in your fucking eye, you're, you're so jaded. And I, I know wrestling, not just wrestlers, but fans become jaded as well. You know, it, everything's a work. Everything is carny. Nothing makes sense. Nothing's legit. And then you see a guy who, who had three young children, two young daughters and, a, and a, an older son. And he's doing this. And I think he was wearing a Santa Claus hat and he's doing a dance with his daughter. It, if it doesn't move you, it, I, I feel bad for you. I, I truly do. It means you're devoid of emotion. You, you don't have to love Jay Briscoe. He was a father. He had a family. He had a family who counted on him. Three kids will never see their dad again. It's so much bigger than wrestling, you know, on so many levels. And look, I, I know, you know, whenever somebody famous dies, I always hear the same people. Well, pe millions of people or thousands of people die every day. Uh, and we don't. Yeah, that's right. But you know what? I've watched Jay Briscoe for 15 years. I don't know a lot of these other people that pass away. Right. And to see the photos and the video of he with his family and what just looked like a great dad. It's heartbreaking. It's absolutely heartbreaking. Yeah. And uh, you made a good point there. Let's not forget, not even for a single moment. This was not a wrestler that died. This was a husband. This was a father. Yeah. This was a brother. And his family, 
devastation does not even begin to to state what they're going through and still going through. You know, it, it's been not even uh, well at the time this comes out, it'll have been like two weeks. But, you know, uh, the woman that lost her husband, how is she dealing with this? Plus, she's got these two little girls that were, uh, you know, as far as I know, still in the hospital. She's having to deal with what her little girls are going through while at the same time processing that her husband is gone. You know, the, the, the guy that put food on their table, the breadwinner, I don't know if his wife works or not, but the guy that was respond, the head of the family, if you will, to put it in old, uh, terms is gone. Those little girls will never see their father again. She will never see her husband again. The fact that he was a wrestler is irrelevant. He was yeah. a, reportedly a great man, a great guy. And that's the real loss. You know, there, there are wrestlers that have died. Let's be honest, Barry, uh, you know, you, you, we've heard stories about guys that died and you're like, yeah, well, let's talk about some of the stories I heard about that guy. Maybe he wasn't the world's greatest person. And then you hear a story about this guy who, by all accounts, was that really good person. That's where the loss comes from is when you lose somebody who, besides being a great wrestler, was a great father, a great husband and a great person, a great guy. That's where the loss is. It is. And it's, yeah, you're right, Jeff. It's, this isn't about professional wrestling. We know of him because of professional wrestling. The story is so much bigger. Barry, I am never ashamed to say that I like to steal a good idea from other podcasts that I hear uh, of the non Arcadian variety. So I heard this in discussion. Uh, it was about, about football. And I thought we could equate this to professional wrestling. The segment, Barry, is called Buy Low, Sell High. Barry, I know you are the master of all things stock-related uh, based <laughs> on your time with a, a certain company you're no longer with. Uh, That's true. Of course, in the stock market, the best time is to buy is low. And, you know, and then when you get to the point where the stock is at its highest, that's when you want to yeah. sell before it starts the inevitable uh, trickle uh, down. Uh, they'll, so – Let's put this in wrestling terms, Barry. Okay. And we'll start off with, uh, with AEW. Then we'll go into some other promotions. Barry, if you were looking at AEW, tell me a wrestler could be male, female, doesn't matter. Tell me a wrestler or a personality that you think is uh, a little, you know, it's like sort of the version of a penny stock. It's uh, not somebody that's maybe being featured right now that you think, let's say we can look into the old crystal ball and a year from now, you would say, I'd put some money on the guy's stock right there or that person's stock, because I think a year from now, that person's going to be a much bigger deal. Who do you go with, Barry? Well, and I don't know. I don't know if this actually works. Takeshita is the first one is that Takeshita to me, a superstar written. But I think we're we're right now kind of at that uh, that seedling stage. It's been planted. He's starting to grow. I think he's going to be a big fucking tree in about a year. So that's a guy that I would absolutely think could do something. The truth is I, I don't watch a lot of WWE, so I have to go off of AEW at this stage, or I guess even Ring of Honor. Who else really impresses me? Dante Martin, I guess top flight in the sense. It seems like they have started and stopped top flight, whether it's just Dante by himself or with his brother Darius, but through injuries and I guess, you know, weird booking, it seems like a start and stop kind of thing. However, it does look like top flight is starting to gain a little bit of traction and they've gotten a couple of big wins. And I, I think a year from now, if these kids can stay healthy, and I think I'm talking more Darius at this point, who's had a couple of injuries. One was in ring, one was a car accident. I think they will be a top tag team for AEW. Okay, uh, so you kind of stole my thunder, as you tend to do. Damn it! Uh, I was going to say Takeshka, and uh, Dante Martin was was the guy that I was. Wow. So I'll think it a light, though, right? Uh, yeah. I'll throw out a couple names, and you tell me. Uh, what you think about the possibility of these guys being bigger than they are now. Okay. What about Ricky Starks? You think Ricky Starks a year from now is a bigger deal than he is now? I think there is. So as I explained to the lovely Linda on a recent episode of Dynamite, there is one flaw in Ricky Starks's game, Jeff. And I almost hate to say it because uh, you'll know why in a second. Ricky Starks is kind of small 
to be a main event baby face. And I am thrilled that he's not on the juice. My God, the last thing we need is everybody looking like a big steroid monster. At the same time, when I look at Ricky Starks, I think I look at a guy that spends a couple hours each day in the gym uh, healthy, but there's not a lot of substance there. And when I watch him against guys that are bigger, I don't always buy it. With it, I think he's a complete package otherwise. He's got to bulk up. And I'm not saying become some heavy steroid user that can't move around the ring. I'm not. Look a little bit more intimidating than you currently look. But he's okay. the talent. The guy's got all the fucking talent in the world. Okay, fair enough. What about the criticism uh, that uh, somebody threw out there? I don't know if it was Jericho or or one of the announcers. Uh, they called him basically uh, sort of a, a version of the a Rock. Do you think that's fair? I've heard that before too. I don't know. I mean, what are they going off of? Skin coloring, the haircut. I don't get the Rock. Is well, I thought I thought. It- or like some of the mannerisms, like, you know, where he does his little pose. But I don't see the rock never pose like that. I know, I, I know, but I'm well. saying that that's part of his shtick. So yeah, that's, that's where I was equating it. Not necessarily, you know, his skin color or anything like that. No, but I he thought, should, he should pray to be the rock, I think, at this stage. Yeah. <laughs> he all should be. <laughs> right. So, um, okay. What about guys like, uh, Hook and, uh, Jack Perry? What do you think? <sighs> so yeah, I mean, I'm, and I, and I asked that because, you know, you sure. made the comment about, uh, Ricky Starks and how, you know, you, you, he doesn't look like somebody who's on the gas. Now, here are two guys uh, that are extremely over. OK, uh, I read a criticism last night that maybe by putting Jack uh, Perry with Hook, they've kind of you know stalled his babyface singles push by putting him back in a tag team after he had been in a tag team for uh, over a year. So uh, what do you think? Do you think uh, the tag team is a good idea? And a year from now. What do you think about these two guys, especially going to your point about how these guys certainly don't have a, a quote unquote steroid look? Is that going to come off as a ultimate negative or a positive for these guys? Yeah. And again, too, it, it's not like I'm encouraging people. But it, again, when a guy's 160 pounds, it could be a little difficult to take him seriously. I do think Darby Allen has transcended that because. Darby's pops when he wrestles, they're fantastic. And I mean, what's Darby? A buck six seventy five, something like that. I mean, he's not a big guy. I don't think the future for Hook is uh looking quite as promising and bright as it did maybe five, six months ago. He he definitely is a one note type of deal. He actually was selling this past week on AW, which is good. I also think I think Jack Perry, I think he has a good look. I think he gets over with a certain audience. But they're both going to need more to crack that ceiling. And, and if you're saying to me who's got the best shot between Ricky Starks, Jack Perry, and Hook, I'd say Ricky Starks absolutely does. So do you think uh, – this just popped into my head. Do you think with what you were saying about Jack Perry and how he appeals to a certain demographic sure. – okay, let's be honest. He's appealing to the young ladies in the audience. He is. Do you think he should be pushed more as a uh, a Ricky Morton type? Yeah, and I think one of the things they're doing with Jack Perry, which I find interesting, is he's not coming across as super likable. He's almost heelish sometimes. His interviews are not friendly and smiley. He's always got this look like almost a scowl on his face when he comes out. He's not a guy. And I'm assuming he's doing it to be tougher than what his appearance can be. You know, again, 160 pounds, long hair like my ex-wife, just doesn't look in. Just had to get the shot in on uh, her there, didn't you? I did. I absolutely <laughs> did. Uh, but no, but he's, I mean, he has really nice hair, actually, I should say. Can, Jack, can Jack Perry move furniture like Jennifer could? Well, that's another story. For she me. can't, but but the lovely Linda can come here and bench press my fucking dining room table. <laughs> so <laughs> that is a private story that none of you will get because uh, Barry just told me something. Uh, yeah. Keep it there. Right. So let, let's talk the other side of the equation. All right. How about selling high? Barry Rose. Hey, when's the last time we saw Wardlow? Who? Exactly. Uh, that guy's stock is, uh, taking a, you know, a huge dumper ruski. And like, I was sitting there watching the show last night and I'm like, you know, we haven't seen Wardlow in like a month. Uh, and it's just like another, you know, Another example of them getting somebody to a spot and then like it's kind of like they don't know what to do with them afterwards. And that I have to say, that's a real problem, not just with Tony Khan, but with the other people in the promotion. 
you know, when you get somebody, you, you mentioned Hook, that Hook had gotten to a certain spot. They did a great job of getting that guy. And I really think one of the things they, you know, they've got a Hook coming on uh, the, the AEW Dynamite show. I think they should have made the Rampage show. That should have been Hook's baby, you know. Yep. He should have because he was featured on every Rampage. And, you know, they should have done something where, like, he's the king of Rampage or something like that. Because if he is, in fact, as you said, a one-trick pony, I don't want to see happen to him what's happening to Wardlow. So, Barry Rose, are we at a point now where we need to sell not just high, but we need to sell on Wardlow? No, that's I don't I don't think that is. So again, now we can be critical of Tony Khan. I I think it's a booking issue. And uh, Wardlow appeared to be over. Here's the weird thing: the, the team with Samoa Joe appeared to be getting over. Ward Joe, I think they were calling him. It's a, it was a great idea to break them up. Done way too soon. They were over. Why why do you mess with success? This was a criticism I had of the WWE as well. Why would you mess with something that works? Wait till it's starting to falter. A good example would be uh, Rusev and uh, I totally forget what they were, Aiden English, right? Uh, whatever they were, Aiden English. But, Jeff, you would have no idea what I'm talking about. But they had a – it was Rusev Day. They had this gimmick going. They were selling merch and they were over apparently creative – wasn't happy because they didn't come really come up with this and they decided to put the kibosh on it. Well, that, that seems like a great idea. That's, you know, that's petty and spiteful. So, you know, I, I'm all about why, why would you break something up if it's working? If wait till it's not working, wait till the people are sick of it. Wardlow and Joe were over Wardlow on his own was over to a point. And I, I actually think that whole gimmick with Mark Sterling, was what kind of really fucking hurt him where he was coming out with like 30 security guards and Wordlow had to beat him up and, or get fired or something illogical and stupid like that. But I, to me, it's, it's again, you've got, you got talent. I just don't think it's Wordlow's fault. I definitely think it's the way he's being booked. So I'm going to throw a name out there. Uh, oh. And again, we're talking about people that are maybe at a peak now who I uh, am going to say, a year from now will not be as big a deal. I could be completely wrong. This is just my opinion. I'm not being a little stiff with some people. <clears throat> it's a term that was used uh, regarding another a particular segment we did on the show recently, Barry. But I really wonder if it's not time now that it's at a, uh, let's just say a bit of a peak. Is it time looking a year down the road to sell on Darby Allen's stock? Because I have a I have a different opinion on that. I don't think so, and I'm going to say again, you don't have to like Darby, and I, I think you do. No, no, I, uh, no, no I, mean, I don't think you have an issue. I'm saying no. in general, I don't think you have to like Darby to appreciate the fact that he is over. And our old friend Kevin Orcutt reached out to me as he so often does, and I think we're mentioning every episode at this point. And Kevin said, "Does Darby strike you as the guy in ten years that'll probably have a painkiller addiction based off of some of the spots?" And you know, the answer is yes because Darby is laying it out there, and this can only go on for so long. But again, the reaction that Darby gets is solid, and it's not just little kids; it appears to be everybody in the audience. I like Darby. I, I think I've grown to like him a lot more over the last maybe two or three years. Still not my favorite, but at the end of the day, can't argue with success. And to me, that's measured by how loud the pop is. Well, my, my question is not how loud the pop is, how long, much the merch is, uh, but you did briefly touch upon it. My issue with Darby Allen is, uh, as you said, you're talking about a guy that's buck 65. I think it's pretty safe to say that Darby's not on the gas. Uh, that's a, you know, uh, going really out on a limb there, Bear. Uh, but I will say this. My problem and my issue with Darby Allen is I just don't know how long the guy's going to hold up. You know, I mean, literally, this guy goes out there and he is, in a lot of ways, he's almost like a stuntman, you know. And how many stuntmen last, you know, years and years and years? They go out there and they do these incredible maneuvers. He reminds me of one of these guys you see on YouTube who's, uh, you know, 
like a skateboarder, which of course he is, but you see these skateboarders are doing these incredible stunts. And then you see the guy inevitably that lands and, you know, gets a nut shot and is down crippled in pain or the guy that somehow, you know, does a compound fracture on his ankle or leg or something like that. And I just have to wonder a year from now, are all the bumps on a body that is essentially not a guy that's super jacked up that doesn't have the muscle uh, around him to sort of, you know, take the blows and, and, you know, be able to recover. How much is it at some point, the, the, the shots, the body blows he's taking are going to have to catch up with them. You know, Kevin Orca talked about maybe 10 years down the road with the painkiller addiction. And I'm not saying it's a painkiller addiction. I'm just saying that a year from now, he's going to have one more years of all those body shots, all those bumps, all those throws into the guardrail. You know, dynamite used to do that. And eventually it caught up and dynamite was in a fucking wheelchair. Is that going to happen to Darby in a year? Maybe not. But I think eventually, God bless him, it's going to catch up with this guy, Bear. Absolutely, too. And that I think that was what Kevin's point was, was that, you know, Darby is, he's doing, you look at some of these bumps, like top rope onto the concrete floor. You know, that's the kind of shit that Harley Race, great example of a guy that couldn't stand or, or walk upright because his back was so shot after taking these bumps. And I think a lot of guys, especially in their 20s, I don't know how old Darby is, but a lot of guys in their 20s, as we did, Jeff, we always think we're invincible. We always think, eh, I'm young, I'm healthy, that won't happen to me. And certainly now, with the benefit of hindsight, we can look at that and we can say, you know, I, I do walk with a little bit of a limp at times, and my back does fucking hurt. We're not 20-something anymore, but we never did the crazy shit that guys like Darby and Dynamite did, So or Harley Race. So I I would imagine, you know, there's no way. Look at Matt Hardy. Matt Hardy's a great example of a guy. Did you you watch the Matt Hardy? Matt, Matt Hardy wrestles like a guy who's working with a back brace. Yes. Because he, his movements are horrible. I mean, his character is still over, no question about it. But, like, if you look at that guy now compared to even a couple years ago, holy shit, he looks horrible. He shouldn't be wrestling anymore. At the yeah. end of the day, he shouldn't be wrestling. It's a very, very good uh, observation about the back brace. It's almost like he can't even take – steps at this point it's like he's waddling around the ring and i saw matt hardy a couple of years ago at a fan fest and uh it was after the fan fest was over and he was i guess going to exit the building and go to his car there were no nobody else around just fans and i watched him painfully limp from uh the table he was at to the outside of the building and you could just see it and that's sad to me because here's a guy that looks like he's going to spend uh, the rest of his life in a wheelchair. And he's got three relatively young kids as well. Yeah, you know, and, you know, mentioning Darby Allen and, and what the future, unfortunately, holds for him. Uh, you mentioned uh, Matt Hardy. Jeff Hardy, size-wise, is, uh, you know, a little bit heavier than, than Darby Allen. But, you know, look at all the stuff that Jeff Hardy goes through. And I'm not saying that, you know, that Darby Allen's going to get a DUI or anything like that. But... Obviously, there were pain issues that Jeff Hardy tried to deal with through self-medicating, and I just hope that doesn't happen to Darby Allen, Barry. Yeah, it's, you know, and I, Jeff Hardy's an interesting, you know, everybody's got an opinion on people that are on drugs, whether uh, it's an embarrassment or whether we have sympathy for them. And we can mock Jeff Hardy all we want, but this guy laid his ass on the line, did crazy shit. We didn't force him to do it. I get it. But. At the end of the day, he has serious substance issues. And whether it's to mask the pain or whether it's emotional, physical, I don't have any idea. But at the end of the day, guys like Darby are going to be paying a price in the later years. There's no way around it, Jeff. So, okay, so uh, we got to the sell high. I mentioned Darby Allen. I discussed Wardlow. Barry Rose, tell me somebody in AEW who a year from now who, you know, who may be, if not like a headliner or main event, but a guy that's or, or a woman that's been given a significant push who a year from now, you're saying probably not going to be as big a deal a year from now. Soraya. And I think the initial pop for Soraya was very interesting. I think she is going to be really limited as to what she can do. I believe she's been cleared to wrestle like once a month or just sporadically. She can't go back and do a full-time deal, but she can sporadically wrestle. 
there is a reason that I believe she was turned heel, you know, a month after joining AEW, whatever that time frame was. And I just don't know if she's going to have a lot to offer. And, you know, comments like it's my ring when you, it isn't your ring because you really can't wrestle because <laughs> you've been injured and you can only come out every so often. I just think Saray is going to be a bust in a year. I don't see it. Barry, now it's time for those words that everyone likes to hear. It's time for the old go home, my man. You about ready to go home? <laughs> this is this has been a fun episode too, but I am ready to go. There's home. no place like home, right, Barry? No place like home. I'm going to click my heels, Jeff, right now. Yeah, right there on your couch, in your in your home. Anyway, yeah, you, I think you see what I did there. I so did, I, did. I will tell you that uh, on behalf of our producer this week, man, Lewis Kippelman, uh, and my man uh, Barry Rose, I will tell you that I am the Booker Jeff Bowden. Good night, Gunny. I love you, buddy. I'll see you in the morning. And uh, Barry, another fun-filled episode. What do you say? You, you still still thinking about that guy with the urethra in his dick? <laughs> It's uh, it's it's so disturbing to me. And then you sent a photo with the article. And this may say, be. I'm going to put this out there. We we oftentimes talk about what is the best headline, all this kind of yeah. stuff. This may be the most cringe-inducing story that we've ever done in our Florida Man segment. Agree or disagree? I I think this I, this is the one that has disturbed me the most. So yes, the answer is yes. All right. On that note, take this ship into Port Louis. Breaking Kayfabe with Baldrin and Barry is a production of the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network.